This week, it's Steve Martin in his lost 80s classic, The Man with Two Brains. Dr. Hafar. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener, and welcome to episode 254 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Can you believe it? 254. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to set the Wayback Machine to 1983 to take a look at a lesser-known Steve Martin film, The Man with Two Brains. Now, I say lesser-known because it's, you know, Steve Martin, early 80s. Most people are probably not going to be screaming to see this thing. But it's his uh, third collaboration with Carl Reiner. They started with The Jerk in 1979, did uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid in 82, and then this one, The Man with Two Brains, which is a sort of a send-up of 50s horror movies, Mad Scientists, uh, even a little film noir. Uh, honestly, it's one of the lesser of the Steve Martin fare from the 80s, uh, but it's still got moments, and we're going to get into that. So does it hold up? You be the judge, but you'll have to watch it first. But before you do that, listen to our podcast, or vice versa. We don't care. Uh, but basically, you want to just uh, take a look at this stupid thing, because it's an uh, early role for Kathleen Turner, fresh off of her debut in Body Heat, uh, and then a cast of thousands. Well, dozens, maybe. And then we're going to dive into the Star Trek connections as well, because, you know, Eric and Brian, that's their thing. Uh, so yeah, if you like what you hear, send us the email to magnificentgmail.com. Uh, then you can hit us up on Twitter at MagHuge. We're on Instagram and Facebook, Magnificent Podcast. La la la. Or head over to our website, www.maghuge.com. Uh, but without further ado, the wacky shenanigans of Steve Martin and Kathleen Turner in The Man with Two Brains, a lost VHS classic. Hey, everybody. What's up, fellas? Welcome to the show. Magnificently Huge Podcast. Yeah, that's us. Aren't we great? <laughs> Fucking train wreck. <laughs> we are right great. off the bat. That's how we roll, yo. We <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do the roll call. I, I think I heard Eric say his name. This yeah, is Brian. This is Chris. And then that, of course, over there is Eric again. Hi, Eric. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Magnificently Huge <laughs> Podcast, where we talk about stuff and things and pop culture and nonsense. And yeah, yeah uh, like one minute in and we're ready to go. Bam. I'm just going to tell you that I, uh, I chose this one just uh, for cringe factor. Uh, I want to see how you guys work with that. So I was wondering, I was wondering, cause I, yeah. I, the man yeah. with two brains, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember being funny and I was reminded of the fact when I watched it again, <laughs> we could get into it. I, I've got it. a take on that when, when we get to it, check the timestamps to find out when we're going to get into it. Yeah. Um, but but first, let's let's do the business. We got some fresh shit to get through. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. All right, what are people watching, doing, reading? Tell me. What lay it on me, people? What are we doing? Uh, 
Uh, well, first of all, uh, can we talk about the uh, the Muppets Benoit Blanc trailer for Rainbow Connection <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that Nerdist did uh, a while back, a few weeks ago? Because uh, I would watch that movie in a heartbeat, man. We'll put a link to this and to this YouTube video in the uh, in the show notes, but. Uh, this is a fan trailer. I guess it's a Nerdist, so it's not even a fan trailer. It's just a yeah. Nerdist joke where they edit footage from various Muppet movies together with the the two Benoit Blanc movies and turn it into a Benoit Blanc plus the Muppets mystery. I expected complexity. I expected intelligence. But that's not what any of this is. Well, let them read the screenplay. Ah! It's so dumb. This is a narrative of very heavy-duty proportion. No! It's just dumb. Well, if this were the movies, we'd think of a clever plot device. It's their answer to all of the people who went online and just have demanded that uh, Ryan Johnson make the next one as a Muppet movie. This is the answer to that. So, it's, <laughs> it's perfect in every regard because they use the song title, Rainbow Connection. They use Muppets. Uh, and then they do a Muppet trailer and it's just, it's good. So I just wanted to, to put that out there. If you haven't seen it yet, you should watch this thing. It's so fun. <laughs> there you have it. So <laughs> thanks for providing that link, Brian, earlier for us. Absolutely. Muchas gracias. Is that the only <laughs> thing you watched this week is a two minute YouTube video? <laughs> over and over and over, uh, over again. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh, no. I also watched a documentary on Amazon called I Know That Voice, which is basically about voice actors that do cartoons, and it's all of your okay your favorite ones. You might actually dig it, Brian, uh, because... I probably will. Because Mark Hamill's in there, obviously, uh, and Kevin Conroy shows up, because this was done in, like, 2013. Um, but if you ever watched a cartoon as a child or an adult, and uh, have any sort of appreciation for how they're made, then you will enjoy this because they they go through the history. They talk about obviously Mel Blanc and Dawes Butler, Casey were, Kasem, like Casey Kasem. I don't think uh, I don't think they talk to Casey Kasem in this one. Huh. Strangely enough, it's weird. Uh, not only was he shaggy, but if you remember Battle of the Planets, that really yeah. great <laughs> anime that they brought over to America and like redid. American yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. So they do that. Uh, but they, they do a lot of like the history and then they do all the, the basic voice actors doing their shtick talking about the craft. Uh, and there's really a lot that goes into it that I don't think people give them credit for. Because uh, as one of them put it, you have to do do uh, you have to do different voices with different intonations and different mm -hmm. reactions all almost simultaneously uh, to get it all down. And so it's, it's definitely a craft, but they, uh, they talked to June Foray, who you remember is uh rocket J squirrel and Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, on up to the modern day stuff. So a lot of the actors from like Futurama and the Simpsons, and then you get uh, EG Daly who did Tommy pickles from uh, mm -hmm. Rug Rugrats doing her thing. And then you get, uh, I can't remember his name right now. He's uh, Binky the Clown from Shakes the Clown, uh, who yeah. does SpongeBob. Tom Kenny, who does SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, and he's just sane. 
and then uh, Billy West, who of course is uh, from Ren and Stimpy and Futurama, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's just a, I mean, it, this is them talking about being voice actors and <laughs> a little credit they actually get. Uh, but I do, I only bring it up because it's the one thing that always makes me laugh above all else is when you find out that Clancy Brown, the actor who plays Kurgan in Highlander, <laughs> is a cartoon voice actor as well from like SpongeBob. It's just, it makes me <laughs> oh, laugh yeah, every time. Deep yeah. baritone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he has a whole thing in the movie where he talks about like meeting kids and then he does the voice from SpongeBob and they're like, <gasps> Uh, but I'm like, that kid doesn't even know that you're Kurgan, man. <laughs> and that's what sells it for me. <laughs> Ram- so two, two things about voice acting that, that I'll call out from here. One is uh, shout out to the, to the voice actors who do video games because they have to go through like all of this like grunting and screaming and like <laughs> they, they have all of these sound effects they have to do for like pain and suffering. Right. <laughs> and it's actually pretty rough on their voices. And the other thing is that we always made sure that uh, when we wrote scripts for our characters and we were working at the game studio, that one of the, one of their lines was always the word blarg, B-L-A-R-G. <laughs> right. <laughs> so a little they, footnote for you there. Did they do it well? Blarg! Uh, sometimes. It's also tough because they have to do a whole dialogue tree. I mean, that's not yeah. like a yeah. play. That's four or five different, like, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, the Screen Actors Guild, actually, they had to go through, like, negotiations with the union to try and, like, explain that when you're doing a video game, it's so much more strenuous and there's so much more work and we need to have different, like, rules about when we take breaks and stuff. But anyway. Yeah. Um... The other thing about voice acting we should call out is, I guess they're going to recast Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. Uh, that uh, was... They... Yeah. That's crazy. I was reading that. Justin Roiland's <laughs> whole career immolated <laughs> in a, about a week. <laughs> but it's another yeah. one of those things where it's like, you know, it took 10 years to become an overnight success. It was like five yeah. to 10 years of absolute shit behavior for this sudden thing to happen. Because yeah. I read about everything. And I'm like, at first I was like, wait a minute. They're cutting all ties because, you know, of a court appearance. This is stupid. You you look at it, it's like, no, no, no. Everybody has yeah. been warning about this guy for a long ass time. And he hasn't yeah. had much of an input on the show anyway since season one. He even said he does most all of the voices so that they can't fire him. Well, yeah. guess what? Yeah, he doesn't from wah, his house. Wah. Like, the writers don't even know to get to meet him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was reading the stuff on that, and it's just, yeah, some crazy stuff. It's like wow, I mean, all just, of this, all of this hits right in the middle of this huge full court press press junket for his game uh, High on Life that was on Game Pass and was getting all of this like traction and good reviews. And I talked about it on the show, and and then all of a sudden, just needle scratch, just nope, nope, <laughs> we're not talking about that anymore. Yeah, cancel culture is the worst, man. Fuck that nonsense. I'm kidding. Well, you got to feel bad for like all of the, you know, the hundreds of people that work on this stuff that aren't him that now right. have this like asterisk on their resume. Like, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's <sighs> as long as we're talking about cancel culture, though, I understand why, you know, you would you would say cut ties with this guy who's a creep. I, I kind of resent not being given the choice. 
to decide whether or not to, you know, cancel him myself. It's like it's all just been done. I'm not saying, well, you know, that the guy, you know, deserves, you know, like, from what I've read, the guy's a complete asshole. I just, I have a problem with not being given the opportunity myself to decide. Uh, I'm not going to uh, play his game or, you know, watch his stuff. Yeah, but you don't produce the stuff that he's creating, so it's not really up to you. You know well, what I mean? I mean, Eric, you do have the choice to decide whether you want to keep like if you want to watch the existing things, there's lots of episodes of Rick and Morty, Morty and Solar Opposites, and all that. And if you want to enjoy that and not, oh, I thought, get all tied up in that, go for it. Okay, they're not pulling it's it there. down. Then I guess the way you were talking about the game, I thought the game came off of. Uh, no, no, it's game still pass. out there, yeah. and, and you know, He's, actually, oh, okay. I think that people are starting to learn how to do this properly. Like podcasts that had interviewed other people about the game would like do a little thing at the front, which is like. Hey guys, um, context. This, you know, <laughs> we recorded this before all this went down, but honestly, we don't want to just screw over everybody else. Yeah, you know, and and I'm seeing the same thing in like write ups of the the big, um, Hogwarts Legacy game has come out the the big Harry Potter yeah. RPG, and I'm seeing people write about it. That's like, look, make your own choices. Yes, we know that J.K. Rowling's politics may not be your own, but we're going to put that as, like, as a sidebar to our review, and we're going to review this thing on the merits, yeah. and if you don't want to play it because J.K. Rowling, that's cool. You know, So I think people are starting to kind of get there. Yeah, I, I do think that one's funny, because you know, all of the people who are pissed, pissed off at J.K. Rowling are like, don't, if you play this game, then you're for uh, you know, othering people. Yeah. And it's like, game is a big fat huge success so i i guess that isn't that isn't wah, working wah. yeah 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 it's well it's I, just yeah my my problem is only pulling down all of the stuff in lieu of you know bad behavior and not letting other people decide for themselves no but it does sound like we can still watch all the justin roiland stuff that we want so okay yeah it's it's out there but he's basically been removed from like the actual production portion of it, like Adult yeah. Swim has cut ties. Uh, his game company is basically he's he's resigned from that. So oh yeah, he got fired from fucking everything. Yeah, so he's so he's no longer getting direct uh, recon- recompensation for any of it. Now would be my understanding, yeah. but he's probably got some residual deal for the rest of it. So take that under consideration. Uh, but yeah, it sucks. It's sort of like when uh, when yeah. Cosby's stuff came out. I'm like, man, I liked listening to Cosby when I was a, a kid, and now I kind of just feel gross when I listen to it. It's just yeah. it ruins everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. It's like like with a cancellation, it's not necessarily I I like this stuff, but in order to make a political you know point, I'm going to stop listening to it. It's like. No, listening to you know Bill Cosby himself or watching the Cosby Show now feel creepy. You know, mm-hmm. especially now yeah. that I know which women on that show he specifically raped. Yeah, it's just ugh. never meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah, seriously, it doesn't go well. Seriously, oh well. <laughs> anyway, oh, by the way, so I know that voice you said. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, Brian, uh, uh, I still haven't found the sixth season of Rick and Morty. It's not up on uh, any of the places you said it was, so I have no idea how you watched it. It was on Hulu. It. I was no. watching it as it aired. I, 
it's, it's gone not, now? It's not on now, so they don't have any of the... Ah. So, thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so, It'll so never happen I, now, because Justin not, Roiland ruined everything. Yeah, I no, may or I may not know. watch it. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I just It's been a, a pretty slight week, so you're welcome. Who's got something right. else? I've got something. Uh, okay, this is, again, going back to <laughs> the, 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 the brand new, okay, formerly Epics, now MGM Plus, right? Which, mm-hmm. the MGM Plus logo totally looks like the name of that band, Migmet, right? <laughs> oh, oh Migmet. Man- management. Migmet, yeah. That's, okay. It's not management. Management has vowels. This is Migmet. And yeah, so like the, the, the name of the MGM plus does look like the band Migmet. So I just, I just call it Migmet. Um, but yeah, they, they have another show, uh, uh, perpetual grace limited, which is fucking amazing. I cannot believe everyone didn't see this show. It's from 2019 and no one has said a word about this, this great, great show. I've Uh, actually not even show. It's a mini series. It's a, a, a limited series, or you know whatever they call it. Uh, Jimmy Simpson is a nobody who gets roped into a con to by this guy who wants to send his parents to Mexico, have them be held there for like a week so they can be declared dead. He can inherit all of their money, and then you know they let the, his parents go and come back to the United States. His parents run a sort of con church. That, that cons people out of their money. And uh, so, you know, Jimmy Simpson's like, well, okay, I guess that doesn't sound too bad. But uh, his parents are um, uh, Jackie Weaver. I don't know if you, you know, Silver Linings Playbook, you may or may not remember her. And Ben Kingsley. And Ben Kingsley is basically bringing back his part from Sexy Beast, where he oh, is yes. just <laughs> a psychotic and the wrong ass person to pull this con on. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so well-written. It is so well-structured. The way the, these, these, these characters flow into each other, because there's a ton of characters. Luis Guzman is the sheriff in Mexico. He's got a whole thing that, you know, dovetails into this other con going on. Terry O'Quinn shows up as a Texas Ranger. He's there to arrest the guy, uh, you know, who, the, the son of Ben Kingsley. And part of this whole con is that um, Jimmy Simpson then becomes the son. Like he 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 changes his name. He you know he takes over his identity. So now he is the identity of this guy that Terry O'Quinn wants to arrest for murder. It's like shit's going on all over the place. It is so fun. Every episode is so fun to watch. I highly recommend Perpetual Grace Limited. Uh, uh, it, it's even worth getting like the trial, uh, subscription to Migmet on Amazon prime, <laughs> you know, cause uh, then you can oh, check the show. Out. I was, I was, I was thinking about do, checking out the Peacock thing because they've got that new, uh, Ryan Johnson series on oh, it. But oh, now, now I've got to think about Migmet too, huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh geez. Great, Brian. Now, oh, no. now you got to oh, get geez. the clomper app. You got to get the clomper app now. <laughs> god damn it uh, oh jeez now I gotta get another subscription oh no uh, oh jeez uh, exactly cancelled <laughs> check 
Ranch. What else you got, Eric? And well, just just to say, the other uh, Migmet show, The War of the Worlds. Uh, stop watching after season two because I watched season three and I'm like, oh man, you guys should have ended this already. It's like you don't know where you're going, you mm-hmm. don't know what you're doing. It's got the problem of Lost, where you've got like one mm-hmm. really solid idea and then you need to drag it out into more seasons. It's the same thing as Westworld. Westworld, I consider like one of the best single season TV shows ever. If it had gone off the air after that first season, I would be so happy with it. Everything they did afterwards made it worse and worse and worse to the point I hate that show. <laughs> so I think War of the Worlds is doing the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of those shows where they just they had a good idea for first season and now oh shit now we have to write more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like they were trying to be scientifically accurate, you know, with the way this was happening, and I really respected that. And. Uh, and and then now it's now it's actual science fiction. It's almost like they hired some hack TV writers and said, "Okay, figure it out, dude." And so they came up with just the dumbest shit. <laughs> well, do things like sh- shows like that's basically they just uh, they pony up for the scriptatron five thousand and they punch in some stuff and then hit the button and then you get the <laughs> script for the week. Because it seems like so many shows after about three seasons do that. It's like yeah. you, you, you three maybe four seasons if the writing staff is really good. And then you get the the slide, like it's it's you every guys show. Are really setting up my fresh shit here. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. The the, it's it's all. I think you know part of it comes from uh, the the second you know iteration of Star Trek, where everything appears to be you know is some kind of, and we can fix it theoretically with, and like <laughs> no matter what, it always works. <laughs> there's no thinking. There's no right. You know. There's nothing to it, and it's that kind of garbage that I hate. You're not, that's not science. That's some shit you made up. You're using some sciencey words so that you can make your plot armor work. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and okay. the final thing uh, I watched is The Peripheral. I'm only like a couple of episodes Ooh. into it. Ooh, how is that? The Peripheral is from, pr- presumably, the makers of Westworld. So it's got a very slick kind of future feel. <laughs> That it comes from a William Gibson novel helps. Um, so far, it needs work. Uh, the writing is hack. It's it's not you know, it's not the kind of thing like uh, uh, we were talking about Fight Club or uh, Perpetual Grace Limited, where every line is well thought out and it it's fun to watch. It's a lot of cliches, a lot of TV cliche in the dialogue. The concept is interesting, but they're not really pushing it. I I don't know. I'm gonna stick stick with it for a while, but I don't have a good feeling. So far, it feels mm. like the third or fourth season of Westworld didn't even Uh-oh. doesn't even have a good first season. Yeah. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. What about okay. like? Uh, I was intrigued by that one, so that's 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 like, disappointing yeah you watch that first episode and let's talk because i want to see if you have the same feeling i do that it's like you you've got so much you are do you you have you have you have so you've created such a great possibility and you are just dumbing it down maybe that's you the know, problem yeah just dumb well, down guess, you oh, dummies it- in the world make writers write <laughs> dumb stuff and it's ruining my tv so go put your head in an oven <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't bring it up because uh, it's just I haven't been thrilled. But Kunk on Earth has showed up on Netflix, 
which yeah. is the Charlie oh, Brooker. I want to watch that. Uh, is it not good? I just it doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. Kunk, uh, Kunk she's is awesome. Just, yeah, it just it's it's fine in little short bursts, but when you do like the whole prolonged thing, it just wears thin for me. Yeah, but I you, like her thing, but like yeah, it's kind of t- maybe for somebody who's never experienced uh, uh Ms. Kunk, you yeah. it's yeah. But having seen it before, I don't it's not like it's new. It's not like the jokes yeah. are better. I mean, though I loved it, when she talked to the guy about how in the 90s uh Prime Minister Blair, uh, uh, people people had an argument between whatever happened between the argument between Prime Minister Blair and Oasis. <laughs> and, oh well, I think you mean Prime Minister Blair. Yeah, no, Blur. Yeah, Blair, Blur. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go. See, it's much yeah, easier when I recite the thing making, better because they're making Brian find a clip. <laughs> no, I'm not finding a clip. Yes, yeah, my ass. That. That's why yeah. I said it. I, we she, got. She does that Ali G thing uh, better than Ali G, and I think maybe, she gets away yeah. with more because she's a woman. Yeah, right? maybe that's it. Because anyway. because Ali G just, uh, I just hate Ali G that character. So I just don't like that particular type of comedy. Uh, so seeing it dressed up to make fun of the BBC shows, it's it's cute at first, but then it sort of just wears thin for me. I also I get the impression they know they know the joke they just don't know yeah. what she's gonna say you know right it's so, she, there you go yeah yeah some they, people have heard All of right. her by now yeah anyway sorry so, Brian you guys gave me a great segue several minutes ago that I'm going to pretend I can still pick up <laughs> okay um, so let's talk about shows where the writers don't know how to wrap it up don't know how don't know what their end game is. And I wa- I had downloaded the whole third season to watch on the plane of uh, Dead to Me on Netflix, which is also the final season of Dead to Me. Okay. And the thing is that this is one of those shows where they're really, really good at putting the characters into situations where they're keeping secrets from each other and everything they say has multiple meanings and they're they're always misleading. And in this one... They do it to, like, every character. They've gotten to season three, and it started with just sort of doing that to Linda Cardellini's character in season one, and then in season two, they add Christina Aguilera, uh, not Aguilera, Christina Applegate's <laughs> Applegate character Aguilera. To, the, okay. to the mix, and now every, like, tertiary character is going through this, and and they're winding it up in the third season like a watch, like a spring-loaded watch, and then the spring just breaks. Like, they didn't have an ending. They didn't have an ending in mind. They just, they're really good at ratcheting up the tension, and they had no idea how to resolve it. Like a walking and dead. They pulled was, a walking dead. Basically. Oh, it was so, so close, and yet just, I, it's still a good show. It's still worth watching, but yeah, just know that the ending is kind of, kind of a whiff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to tell like, the, the way that the BBC does it is just about right. It's like, give them like six episodes for a series and then maybe renew it, maybe not, but don't give them a lot of rope and give them like maybe three series tops if you're lucky. Like they need to do that over here because most of these shows, it's like the whole idea is like, well, we'll get a hundred episodes so we can go into syndication and make all our money back. And it's just like, by the time you get to the last like third, it's just like dreck. Here's the thing though. Like they knew it was ending. They did write an ending. It's just that the ending 
has it's there's no payoff to all this shit they've been tying up, right? Okay. It's 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 a cop out. And that's yeah. the killer. Like they could have they could have had it all wind up and then go somewhere, but they where they go is a cop out. Well, do you, so, do you think it works anyway. in the favor of shows like Miracle Workers where they just do a different thing every series? Oh, yeah, that's a or, much more fun show because yeah. they don't they don't have to even try. They just yeah. okay, now we're going to make a different show. Let's yeah. let's party. Or yeah. like or like Archer where they did like three or four seasons where he was in his coma dream and so every season was just a totally different random thing. <laughs> I thought that was just genius. I love that. So, maybe we could get more of that. Hey. So but the then other you get American that Eric... Horror Story where they do a new one every year and that yeah. one is run out of steam because they don't know mm-hmm. how to write anything scary. <laughs> it's just <laughs> okay. camp. Okay. It's just it's just yeah, American yeah. camp. Okay. So the other segue okay. that Eric kind of gave me several minutes ago that I'm gonna pretend I can pick up again <laughs> is uh Star Trek. So on the plane, I watched the first two episodes of Strange New Worlds. And I had been avoiding this because all of the Kurtzman Star Trek on Paramount Plus just makes me sad. And and like especially what they did to Picard. And I'm like, I have really have nothing better to do and the show is here, so fine, I'll watch one. And oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, it's right? They like got it right. Actually Star Trek. How the hell did the people Akiva Goldsman wrote and directed the pilot to this thing. How does that hack make yeah. one of you the best to... Star Treks we've seen yeah, you... in years? Well, he's, you yeah, he's had how? a while. Yeah. No, I. It, yes. it's because all of the fans complained about what a pile of shit Discovery and Picard are. And they said, look, this is how you make a better show. And they said, okay, fine. We'll make it your way. We'll do a Monster of the Week. And it's actually good because you listen. <laughs> Also, it's almost, all, almost all of the characters are original. I mean, even Pike is an original character because he was hardly written, you know, in, in the original series. He had one episode. Well, he's basically doing Kirk. He's basically Kirk. He's, he's, he, he's got a lot of swagger and he's... He's, he's the fantasy Kirk. Parental. I mean, Kirk, Kirk was yeah. always, like, very bookish. He, like, I, I don't think he is, you know, like, everyone thinks that he's a sex maniac who just, you know, does... Uh, uh, reckless shit, but that was never Kirk. You know, this is no. But the actor they've got playing Spock even has the right voice. Yeah, like he's passable as a Nimoy. Yes, they've got young Uhura. They've got um. That's where Re- I take Rebecca Romaine like, playing number you don't one. Need you don't need any of these characters from you know the original series. I mean, Kirk ends up in this. It's it's not necessary. Like, just do your own goddamn show. But yeah, How- but it's it's actually Star Trek. It's actually like yeah. giving us moral lessons and using sci-fi metaphors to do it, and and encouraging us to to like advance as a species. Right. And it's good. And it doesn't <laughs> really good. It doesn't rely on having like a uh, you know a a story that takes place you know like over the course of a season. That's not always good. Everybody thinks that you, you want to make The Sopranos. You don't. Sometimes you want a Monster of the Week show, and that's what they did, and that's why it worked. They did make one questionable choice, although I kind of dig it because they're, they're 
they're calling out the elephant in the room. So it all of the whole Christopher Pike thing, right? Like there was originally a pilot for the original '60s Star Trek that didn't have Kirk as the captain of the Enterprise. It had Pike, and they yeah. shot this whole thing, and and then that was reused as footage in a an episode called The Menagerie, which they made a two parter out of. And the 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 gag there was that Pike was like disfigured and stuck in this space wheelchair and couldn't talk and they were plumbing through his memories and they would basically show the pilot episode of Star Trek and and so the thing is that we the audience know that this character is doomed like that he's going to end up in that chair and just be a vegetable and what they what they do is they they have some sci-fi giga concept where Pike knows that in 10 years He's going to be in that chair. Like, he's seen his own death. And we have two, so now the character is graveling with that. And that that's an interesting choice, but I, I, don't, I, I don't hate it. It's fine. They can do that. Also, since we're now, we've now opened up multiple timelines, and, you know, God damn it, I am tired of hearing the word multiverse come from people's you know, mouths who've never read a comic book. They, we, I think we know that that's not actually going to happen to him. You know, well, we know he's ha- he has choices to make to avoid it at this point, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I, yeah, and Doctor Mbenga, the doctor on the show, I didn't know that he—that's a character from the original series. He was only in like hmm. a couple of episodes, but there was a, an a, a an African doctor uh, who like stood in for McCoy at times. Mm. I I. Don't yeah. remember that, but yeah. I, okay. He was, and I really liked that character too, like from the original show. I just never compared, you know, like connected that he was the famous guy on the show. He, I love this. How to shut up, Chris. We start talking about Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> he's just gone. What's so, yeah. With, <laughs> with, with our subject for today, I was, I was sure I had the piss Chris off with a Star Trek reference in talking about the man with the brains. <laughs> Brian, I think you know what I mean. I mean, indeed. You, I mean, you that, do. Yes, you actually, do you. yes. <laughs> you do you. Okay. Hey, I, let's get to it. That, yeah. that's, that's in the fresh shit. Fresh don't better, fresh. Into the mud, scum queen. That's the line from the movie that it's all the trailers. Uh, <laughs> so, welcome to the show about uh, probably my least favorite of the Carl Reiner, Steve Martin uh, team ups. Uh, and it's still an indelible portion of my childhood, which is really the only reason that uh, I brought it up. I saw it on HBO Max and went, oh, I'll check this out again. And then you watch it like Eric was saying at the top of the show. It's like, hmm. And then. Not as, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. as not funny as I remember. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just. It, yeah. I had the exact opposite experience. I remember totally not liking this movie. Whenever yeah. I watched it last, which was a long ass time ago, mm-hmm. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I had a good time. This is one of the few old comedies that was still funny for me. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, this whole That's probably up. why. That's probably why, because you didn't remember it being funny. And so you yeah. could watch it and go, oh, this is funny. Oh, I, I get it now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got moments. It's got moments. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it the still holds. Girl. Yeah. The little girl <laughs> with the instructions. That was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, 
But so just set it up. What is the man with two brains? So I, the, I bet you the audience doesn't know. It basically it's uh, the third entry for Carl Reiner and Steve Martin. Uh, they made four movies together, starting with The Jerk, which is like the gold standard. Uh, then they did a the Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which was their homage to uh, like film noir. And then they did this, which is sort of their take on fifties B horror movies. Where Steve Martin plays Dr. Michael Hofer, who's a, <laughs> a widow brain surgeon who has invented this method of surgery called the cranial screw top, where you could basically just, instead of cutting the head open, you just unscrew it uh, to put the new brain in. Uh, and then he basically falls in with Kathleen Turner's character, who's like the femtal gold digger who's trying to take him for all his money. And then. Uh, at some point they wind up in Vienna for like reasons and then Steve Martin meets another scientist who's working on ways to transfer brains from one body to the next and add the memories. And then he falls in love with another brain because he figured out that Kathleen Turner's character, his wife is, uh, basically a gold digger and then hilarity ensues. Uh, if you can call it that. And then all the meanwhile, there's a background story with there's a serial killer running around Vienna, the elevator killer uh, who's dropping people at random, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like this weird mix of like 50s sci fi horror. There's some like weird Brian De Palma references here and there, uh, et cetera. So it's just this melange. What, it's so what strange. It, what it really is, from my perspective, is a continuation of the airplane and top secret humor, right? Like mm-hmm. the the jokes, a lot of them are are people just saying completely absurd bullshit and being and it gets played straight, right? And yeah. as if it's a normal conversation. And <laughs> this is like far. a lost art form. It was like only working from like 1980 to 1984, and then it stopped working or something well i mean it's people who didn't know how to do it started doing it yeah well i mean you look enough well i mean you look at the the characters names i mean it's the the running joke with dr hafar uh and then you have david warner evil from time bandits shows up as dr alfred necessitor which is just like what uh and then sissy spacek is the uncredited voice of the other brain and Uh So those are the bits that I remember watching it as a kid uh, that made me laugh. And now it's just, it's silly, but it's not like laugh out loud. It just doesn't hold up uh, as much for me now. Uh, I don't know why. But at the same time, I watch this thing and I'm like, this is basically uh, Carl Reiner, lifetime friend of Mel Brooks, basically aping a lot of like his uh high anxiety motif but for yeah, like but a see high anxiety yeah. isn't funny anymore and this is <laughs> see i think and i i'm i may be speaking out of turn for eric as well but uh i i put this on par with high anxiety actually wow <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, it, it to me it's the thing about how comedy doesn't age well you know right there's right right comedy has to be like enjoyed in its time like in in 10 15 years uh rick and morty will have none of its punch because so much of society will have changed along with and because of rick and morty 
Right. It's like it'll all be cliche. It's oh, it's 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 also like how um, Alfred Hitchcock movies aren't as uh, right as jarring it, as they were when they yeah. first came out because everybody's been influenced by. It. Yeah. Right. Well, but see that that was the thing. Like, so for me, high anxiety is reference comedy. It was just recreating Hitchcock stuff with a you know with a twist. Right. And that was funny for people who had watched a lot of Hitchcock, but if, you, if you've kind of left that behind, it doesn't play. Yeah. Right. This, this just has jokes, and the jokes work again. So there's a joke early on where Steve Martin's a brain surgeon, and, and he's giving ridiculously lengthy instructions to a, to a five-year-old, and she totally, you know, understands everything he says and even questions his decisions. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and that works any time right yeah. like those well, that kind of stuff totally works well then you get like that and you get like he's in doing his uh brain surgery and they always do they, and they keep the running joke it's like you know scalpel this scalpel that get that cat out of here Meow! you know and then they keep re- repeating that yeah. it's like what the fuck is that it's just like this random joke so it's just they they tend to throw a lot at the wall to see what sticks in this uh and it some of it works but a lot of it doesn't but you get like the end where it's he's racing back to to save the the woman, and he gets pulled over by the cops, and he has to do the drunk test, and it's just the most ridiculously hard drunk test. You know, he's like, I've yeah. got to juggle and recite the thing, and all he's like, your drunk tests are sure hard. You know, it's just it's just like it's very uh, pol- uh, police squatty at times. Yeah. So it's yeah, you know. Whatever. And Kathleen Turner, let's talk about Kathleen Turner taking her body heat character and give doing a parody of that. Yeah. Right. This is with, yeah. with the same actor. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Because that to me is the, the the most interesting thing about the history of this thing. Is that she did body heat the year earlier, like her breakout role, which was just full on noir femme fatale, like to eleven. She's so good in that. But she didn't want to get typecast as that sort of thing. And so she turned around and did this, which is the same character, but just flipped entirely on its head. And I'm like, wow, that woman just, she didn't give a shit. She's like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do this goofy comedy with Steve Martin to just show people. It's like, yeah, I'm not this character. Just eat it. And it worked. It worked so well. (laughs) So it's funny to watch, but you get, uh, like, like you, you get the, uh, the whole subplot with Merv Griffin uh, showing up at the end, spoiler, as the elevator killer. And it's just, it's like, feels tacked on, but it also is very... Oh, yeah, I don't it, even call that a subplot. Yeah. That's a cameo that at best. That was just, That part. Yeah, but I it's like, so funny. funny. But it's, yeah, it is quite funny. And then you get, like, when Dr. Hafar goes to Dr. Necessitor's condo, and then you go in and it's like this palatial like medieval castle inside the building. He's like, wow, there's awfully a lot of space in here. Well, it's like, yeah, I had a decorator come in. My wife did a lot of this stuff, but then like you find it like the walls are paper thin and then they do the whole joke where you just like crashing through the doors and stuff because it's paper. <laughs> it's just like, and the oh. neighbors are yelling at him because they're making too much noise. Yeah. In the condo. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, just, it's this, just, this stuff is great. Yeah. It's just ridiculous from square one. Uh, but it just, I don't know. I'm glad you like it, Brian, because where it falls flat for me is because I watched all the Steve Martin stuff when I was 
younger, like The Jerk, mm-hmm. uh, which is is a questionable movie today. Like that couldn't get made today, mm-hmm. but it's still damn funny. Uh, but yeah. followed it up with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is my favorite of them all because that was like a year before Woody Allen did Zelig, and well before Forrest Gump, where they just plug in Steve Martin's private eye character in with all these old war movies just like with clips and they build their whole movie around that uh and that is just as i watch more of those movies it becomes more and more intricate and i have a deeper respect for it but then you get to this one which i hadn't seen in the theater i just caught it on cable and i just i watched it all the time and it just it falls flat now. I can't explain why. It just does. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, like, Eric might have had the same uh, experience, or if it ever worked for him at any rate, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Is, is I it- didn't think it was funny at the time. I didn't think it was funny now. And again, I think it is because it's out of time. It's, it's, right. It's comedy not aging well or properly. I mean, it's just, yeah. Huh. I, I'm just baffled that I'm I'm the only one that didn't have that reaction. This did age well. I'm um, huh? Well, I you I know, know okay. for years, for years and years and years, when I would when somebody would mention this movie, the first and only gag I could remember was uh, him saying, "I created, I built the computer out of the guts of a video game machine." And then we show a video game screen, and then Steve Martin comes out acting all video gamey. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. that's that hilarious." Yeah, that, come that on, part that, sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "That's the movie to me." It's just wah, wah, cheap, wah, wah, wah. just cheap dumb joke. Yeah. I mean, it's just—I mean—they really just went for absurdism. Uh, like he—he's like the whole scene where he's talking to his boss at the hospital uh about needing some time off and the boss has got his fingers up on his chin like he's you know very mm-hmm. contemplative but then as the scene goes on he never removes his fingers <laughs> and then at the end they do the throw-off drug he's like well uh where are you headed now i'm off to have surgery to get my fingers removed from my chin after that accident with the super yeah. glue i mean it's just like <laughs> they just draw it out and draw it out and don't give you any context and then hit you with the punchline it's just very uh you know waka 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 and I just, it doesn't play well for me anymore. I just, it's so weird. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So it, when you watch this, Brian, like, what what was it that drew you to it? Like, because you hated high anxiety, which is our, I, our baseline. I, and so it's know, like the fact that you didn't hate this is just astonishing to me because this is just like it. <laughs> I, so <laughs> I was... I woke up at like 1 a.m. today because I'm jet lagged and I'm like, I still need to watch the damn movie. And I started it up and I I watched maybe the first five minutes of it and I realized, oh my God, my wife is going to think this is hilarious. I'm not going to watch it yet. And I like did other stuff and watched it with her after she was up and after breakfast this morning. And yeah, she loved it too. It's just it's just her kind of silly movie and my kind of silly. Maybe it was the experience of watching it together and both of us laughing and, and having an audience helps. Okay. No, that, that works. might have been it. No, that works. I um, mean, I'm glad you like it. I mean, I, give me, don't get me wrong. I yeah. don't hate it. It's just not my favorite of yeah. this era. I don't oh, think I, enough, it's not my favorite. Personally, yeah. I don't think enough of it to hate it. I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's yeah. just sort of there. 
It's yeah. It's but, definitely yeah. the the the, the most fact forgettable. That you watched it with yeah. your wife, and your wife has an appreciation of the silly. Yeah, that's gonna make it better. But <laughs> uh, you know, again, oh, yeah. that's about the context, which is what I'm saying. Uh, you have to you have to watch it right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. I guess we were just in the right mood, and and yeah, we were bouncing off each other, and that that made a difference. Yeah, I think. Well, because if you if you look at this, uh, in the grand scheme of history, uh, for the films, I mean, this is like Carl Reiner following the steps of uh, his friend Mel Brooks goes into filmmaking, uh, and in the grand scheme, I mean, he had a hell of a run from like, uh the late 70s when he did Oh God with uh, George Burns, which was a huge hit. And that was like 77. And then 79, he teams up with Steve Martin to do The Jerk, which is still an unparalleled film comedy. There's so much going on there. And then Dem and Don't Wear Plaid, which I love, Man With Two Brains. And then they followed this up with uh, All of Me, the one with uh, Lily Tomlin. Lily Lily Tomlin, Tomlin. yeah. Yeah, Put the Dwina back in box. Put Edwina back in box. And that was probably the most commercial of all of their outings. Uh, it's got a lot of physical comedy for Steve Martin to do, but it's also very funny. It's a rom-com. It's weird. But then Carl Runner also did Summer Rental with uh, John Candy and then Summer School, which uh, I'll go on a limb here and say that's one of our favorites on the show here as well. It's just there's a lot oh, going on in Summer boy. School. Uh, I mean, I like the soundtrack. <laughs> I guess. So it's, but it's, but you know what I mean? It's like one of those uh, moments of our youth kind of movies. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. And then you look at Steve Martin's run from the jerk through to when he started making all the family dreck, like Father the Bride or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one falls more towards the like the lonely guy portion of his yeah, 80s well, output. Yeah, his character is completely driven by horniness. Yeah. Right? The whole deal is he's he's like <laughs> super super horny yeah. and and Kathleen Turner is is not giving him what he wants and and he's just which, you know it escalates and escalates. Which I also love because in Body Heat like her whole thing was to get William Hurt into bed as much as possible so that she could coerce him. And this one, it's like totally opposite. So it's just like little <laughs> subtle things like that well, that that work. It's totally opposite, except that she'll she'll pretty much screw any guy she wants to. Right, right, also. right. <laughs> right but she, she doesn't want to. Yeah, screw him. but she understands <laughs> that if she, by not having sex with him, uh, she keeps him on the leash, as it were. So yeah. so it's fun. But for the for the full Steve Martin eighties output, this definitely teeters down in the bottom tier for me because it's you know it's not three amigos it's not planes trains and automobiles dirty rotten scoundrels uh any of that stuff uh it's just it has it has so much potential and it just doesn't meet it when i watch it now does that make sense yeah Yeah. i get that you're and and you're drawing the comparison to a bunch of movies i haven't watched in forever right right which which is probably also why i'm coloring it differently uh, um, oh, it, you, okay. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm on record as a Steve Martin fan. So there you have it. I, I might be know, coming actually, at this a little bit I more. think of it, in the 80s also, you had, you know, like 
those 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 TV stations, those UHF TV stations that would play these these shitty brain like movies, the the MST3K kind of movies. Right, but, right. You know, we were a bit more familiar with those too. I mean, that might have had an effect, like understanding uh, the genre. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to go into it uh, with that sort of understanding otherwise it just totally falls apart because it's definitely yeah. is them just doing a, a b movie about b movies uh and they even right. make the point to to reference donovan's brain at one point where dr hafar says that's my favorite movie which is like and donovan's brain is just a crazy ass oh yeah uh like 50s <laughs> sci-fi thing with nancy reagan of all people in it uh which is basically about a scientist who has to like save an ailing tycoon by removing the wealthy man's brain and keep it functioning in a jar with like electrical stimulation until they can like transplant it. I mean, it's like, so there's a lot of parallels. So if you don't get the source material, then this would totally fall flat, but it's just, they, they keep it on the periphery though, which is what's so weird to me. And they just make like little sidebar references. So it's just, it's very niche. Let's put it that way. It's very, very niche. Is that yeah. fair? So I think so. <laughs> I mean, did you enjoy uh, the the romance with the brain, though? Did that work for you, Eric? With Ormel? I thought that was. I guess. I mean, I, I you know, like I said, I was kind of eh. the. I loved the ending when when she says, "I I probably should have told you I have like an eating problem or something." I thought that <laughs> yeah. was great. Kathleen Turner in a fat suit. I think again and actually, that wouldn't play now. Yeah, yeah. and that, actually, that's I the think one joke that, that didn't work. Actually, I think that that part when he's trying to carry her and you know he's just like and like going to the left that was funny, and it, <laughs> it calls back to the other thing where he carries uh, Kathleen Turner over the threshold in the beginning and says, I don't want this to ever end, fade out, fade back up. It's like the next morning, he's still holding yeah, her. That was yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, and the maid comes up and she's like, back here's all the, the, here's the, all the developer, pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's um, just goofy, goofy, goofy stuff, man. That, yeah, the, the, the fat joke at the end actually was the one that, that like was the one thing that didn't age really well for us. And we're like, oh, okay. And she doesn't even look fat by modern standards. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. that's what makes it funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, by but, modern standards. Oh, I thought you meant the makeup didn't look right. I was like, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, what would you'd have to be much larger to pass for fat now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's also just this weird time capsule for the the cast. Uh, you know, outside the principal players, because like again, you get David Warner uh, sending up the typical. 80s david warner character it's like is he mm. is he evil is he not that kind of thing and he's just goofy in this one uh just but then like you chancellor get... gorkon <laughs> oh god <laughs> shut <laughs> up wow shut that was not up. the reference i thought was coming <laughs> uh but then oh, you get going for star trek 5 when he was the i uh... thought you were going for spock's brain <laughs> yeah oh. anyway. no that's too easy that's too easy oh okay uh okay but then you have uh, Paul Benedict shows up as Necessor's butler, who is Mr. Bentley in uh, the Jeffersons. Which, oh, right. Which, That's where I remember. Yeah. Okay. But he's yeah. also in, uh, he's also in this is Spinal Tap, which is another Reiner family film. And he's the, the hotel clerk 
who's trying to deal with them being all pissy about losing the room and they're like calling them all sorts of names. He's like, I am just as God made me, sir. <laughs> it's always an amusing scene. Uh, so he shows up. Then you get uh, James Cromwell shows up as the as a realtor selling him this cottage just out of the blue. And he's wearing yeah. like later hosen, but his legs are so long because he's like just a giant. It's just like, <laughs> that. it's just so weird to see like famous people show up. And then that's your Star Trek first contact reference, Eric. Just beat you to the punch. Oh, that's good. Oh. I had yeah. not thought of that. Yeah. So take I that totally sticking in your that. pipe. I just wasn't going to fuck with you a lot of Star Trek in this movie. <laughs> uh, Star Trek but, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the the most jarring though was when uh, Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator just shows up randomly as one of his fellow doctors, like in the no, operating no. room. Jeffrey Combs from several Star Trek yeah, series, yeah. actually, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like Wayun specifically, but like a ton of other ones too. Yeah. Like Shran from Enterprise, and uh, yeah, yeah, Pank from from Voyager. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brunt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then. And then, like, the doctor at the conference is, uh, the actor's name is Earl Bowen, but he basically was uh, the psychologist from Terminator and Terminator 2. Uh, I'm not sure if he was in any Star Trek movies or TV shows, but uh, we'll go with yes, just to be. Probably. <laughs> he probably shows up on Next Gen somewhere. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it's just this weird, like, supporting cat. So, if you're into 80s, like, niche uh, random movies like say if we still had video stores you could just go down to the store and pick out a movie for the night this would be the one because it's just literally like the most 80s of all the shit that we've done I think up to this point more or less uh, it's an acquired taste to be sure if you're not into Steve Martin shtick then it's definitely not for you I'll just be right up front with that uh, but it's just goofy but it's got a great title I would can, I would say. Can I tell you, you know what I think the most '80s film is. Maybe we should do a show on this someday. Good girls don't explode. That to me is nice is girls don't explode. Yes. Nice girls don't explode. That is so '80s. <laughs> well, you that, know that to me is, is an anachronism, and I'm not sure. I mean, even if you grew up in the '80s, you probably didn't see it. Yeah. Like we sought that fucker out. Yeah. I literally <laughs> think we were the only three people that have ever seen that goddamn movie. If, if I'm going to be honest with you, I remember Eric. watching it at the time going, this is so 1980. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many of them wound up on Star Trek? That's what I want to know. Good Jerk. question. Uh, so, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, like Man with Two Brains, I mean, it, in the realm of the Steve Martin comedies, like, where would you put it? Like, Brian, I think you were off the, off the fence because you haven't really revisited oh, most of them I mean, but you know yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of steve martin comedies and and yeah obviously the jerk is the is the one most people would point to especially for that sort of 70s version of uh of steve martin right um the the wild and crazy guy character yeah you know or, or i'm thinking of of yeah the stand-up you know which i know wild and crazy guy was one of his right album titles but but yeah, it's just that yeah. that early Steve Martin persona. I think yeah, where this one yeah. I think where this one falls the jerk is better. Where this one falls apart for me is just it's too like slapdash. It's basically they had some good ideas for joke setups, but then it just feels like everything is just getting to the next joke yeah, setup. Yeah, a little lazy. Yeah. I think that's probably where I I, this is, I fall on it. 
and I think this is why Steve Martin stopped doing these kinds of movies is it's like he's capable of better and he knows so he yeah. just stopped being silly for the sake of being yeah it's, I don't I like agree. most of his films I think The Jerk was like an outlier and really funny but otherwise I don't care for most like you, every time you guys talk about Three Amigos I go okay <laughs> yeah, Three Amigos is not it's, that great. It's got no. moments, but you're telling me you don't you don't like Roxanne. No. You don't like uh, you don't like his turn in uh, in uh, little ho- little shop of horrors. No, I hate that. Fred, God damn it, what? Eric! God I damn hate, it! I hate that. What? Movie. <laughs> I fucking despise. Oh that movie. no! <laughs> oh, you're wrong. Okay. 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 I don't okay. give a shit. What do you? <laughs> yeah. Not one you. person on that in that movie was in Star Trek. I don't give a fuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then by default, the the Man with Two Brains should be your favorite Steve Martin movie. By th- yeah, yeah. I think that's probably fair. It is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, no, the jerk, the jerk, I liked. Um, and I know there is a Steve Martin film in there somewhere I like, but I cannot the life think of what it is. Is it fa- Father of the Bride? That's the one. Ugh, no. No, no. <laughs> okay. No. I mean, okay. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't explain to you why. I think his stand-up is genius, but uh, otherwise, yeah, his, his I mean, movie output. I mean, you're not alone. Like, I think Gene Siskel, or no, it was uh, Roger Ebert gave this one two out of four stars. And he mm-hmm. said that despite the fact that he never found Steve Martin uh, irresistibly funny. It's a tribute to the man with two brains that I found myself laughing a fair amount of time. So yeah. it's, I think that sums up the the movie concisely. <laughs> it's like if you don't there like are, the shtick, there are you know. funny parts. Yeah, there are parts where I did laugh. I mean, I will give give him that. Like like I said, with the 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 carrying her part, but yeah, just looking at his oof overall, trying to pick, you know, like my favorite. Oh, okay, Bowfinger. Bowfinger is the best Steve Martin. Okay, Bowfinger give was it fucking you. hilarious. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Uh, so yeah, but this one it's just yeah, the, the the jokes feel kind of forced from time to time. Like in the in Damn It Don't Wear Plaid, there's a whole thing where he, where Rachel Ward shows up to his office to hire him, and then she faints. Uh, and then he pulls her to the couch and just starts like, you know, feeling her up basically, and then she wakes up in the middle. And is like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm adjusting your breasts. They were a little out of out of the skew <laughs> uh, and it's like it shouldn't work but it does because she's just so blase about it uh whereas in yeah. this one it's just like there's nothing like everything just seems a little forced and it just doesn't flow it's just a weird vibe i don't quite know how to explain it so uh mm. i'm just i'm glad you liked it kind of like this podcast yeah <laughs> which which should end let's just end it if, yes. if you've never seen well, the man with two brain it. just go watch the man with two brains uh, and then feel dumber for it. How's that? And and or, then come back next week for another episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Yeah. If you subscribe to the podcast, it'll find you. So do that, and then make it find other people by sending it to them on your social media feeds. And then if you want to reach out to us and tell us your favorite Steve Martin movie, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and there's links to contact us, and you can figure it out. Okay. Jerk. We'll see you next week. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't watch The Man with Two Brains, all right. All right. <laughs>